Today we begin a study of a book about the greatness of Jesus. Welcome to the Radio Bible Course. Now we turn to the book of Hebrews. Someone might say, wait a minute. You earlier said we would be studying a book about Jesus. That's right. Hebrews is a book about Jesus, but not about his life on earth. Hebrews is about his superiority to everything in the Old Testament, and it's a book about his completed crosswork and present ministry in heaven. This book does what no other epistle does. It refers to Jesus as a priest, and a priest he is, a priest after the order of Melchizedek, an eternal priest, and a priest who offered a sacrifice that ended all sacrifices and has no need of ever being repeated. Hebrews is a book about Jesus, and it was written because of a problem which was peculiar to the first century church. The earliest church was almost totally made up of Jews who believed the gospel and who saw the crucified Christ as the one of whom the law and the prophets spoke. The gospel was born in the land of Israel, and Israel is the homeland of Jews. Their religion, based on the law of Moses, was a part of their culture. Every other approach to God was false, they believed, so the apostles preached salvation not as a new religion, but as salvation through the Messiah promised by the Old Testament. Jesus, they proclaimed, was the one sent by the God of Abraham, their forefather. He was the fulfillment of Israel's hope for a Savior King. And because this new faith had its roots in Judaism, one would expect that Judaism's influence would be the most serious threat to the Christian faith, and it was. You will recall from your own reading of the earliest history of the church in the book of Acts that Jews only made up that group of disciples. In Acts chapter 6, verse 7, we get further information, quote, The word of God increased, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many priests were obedient to the faith. All of those early disciples were Jews. Jews, along with Judaism's priests, were in the majority in the first churches. We learn also from the book of Acts and the epistles that there were Jewish teachers dedicated to maintaining their former religion while claiming to be followers of Jesus the Messiah. They wanted to retain the laws of Moses and the practice of circumcision. Since their religion came through God's prophets, they were convinced that Judaism should not be cast aside, but should be the basis of the new church established by Jesus Christ. The Christian church to them was a supplement or an addition to Judaism, and they promoted both Judaism and Christianity. The problem with that is, those two systems are incompatible. One is based on the law of the Old Testament and the merit of the people, where the other is based on the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and does not depend upon 
good works. But they did not understand that, and that's one of the reasons why this book was written. The author is going to spend a good deal of time exalting Jesus Christ to show these Jews that they don't need the law of Moses anymore in the religion of Judaism, that something new has come. The fact that they continued to promote Judaism caused tremendous problems because the church was given new revelation through apostles and prophets, which revelation was very different from Judaism. For example, on Paul's first journey into Asia Minor, which is the present country of Turkey, he went to the city of Antioch, and there he found a synagogue and went there and was invited to speak. He spoke about the history of the Jewish people. He traced their history from the time God called them out of Egypt and led them into the promised land. He then moved on to King Saul, who was followed by King David, and said, Of this man's posterity, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, as he promised. Then he said this about Jesus. Let it be known to you, therefore, brethren, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him every one who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. And when the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who spoke to them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. The grace message was the message that would bring controversy to Judaism. The two were incompatible. The gospel explained what God had done for man through Jesus Christ, and it was about grace. While Judaism, on the other hand, concerned what men needed to do for God, and it was based on law. So a conflict was inevitable. When Paul told those converts in that synagogue to continue in the grace of God, they of course understood that that meant they should not be following the law of Moses, because the two are inconsistent. Now in some churches, the new believers, whether Gentile or Jew, had become confused. The strong arguments of Jewish teachers pulled some of them back to their old religion, to rituals, laws, sacrifices, and even the need for priests. To these people, Jesus was a prophet, only a prophet sent by God, but he wasn't much greater than Moses or the Old Testament characters, and this limited knowledge of Jesus may be why they so easily reverted to the ways of Judaism. It's always a problem when a man comes out of one religion and believes in Jesus Christ. It's a problem because he wants to hold on to his former religion, or at least parts of it. People struggle with that. But when you have found the Savior, then you don't need what you had before that could not save. Now, these, then, are the kinds of people who were in those church meetings some 1900 years ago, and all was not well in the early church, and one could wish for a teacher to build up these Jewish converts 
so they would respect Jesus Christ. Now, that's the task of the author of the book of Hebrews. Now, let's talk about the author before we get into the text. We don't really know who the author is, but we have reason to believe that the author was a man. Hebrews 11.32, for example, reads, And what more shall I say? Well, the words, shall I say, is one word in Greek, and it's a verb, and verbs in Greek possess an awful lot of information including a masculine or feminine ending, and this one is masculine. One of the greatest Bible scholars of all time was Dr. C.I. Schofield, who in his notes indicated that he believed that the writer of Hebrews was Paul the Apostle. That cannot be substantiated, that is an opinion, and although I respect very highly Dr. Schofield, and have learned an enormous amount from him and recommend his notes, I could not agree with him on this point, and it's not important whether I do or not. Where does this idea come from that Paul may have been the writer of the book of Hebrews? For the first four hundred years of the Christian era, there was no common agreement about the authorship of uh, the book of Hebrews. But from about 400 to 1600, there were various writings that referred to the epistle of Paul to the Hebrews. But we must remember that came centuries after the book was written. There's a very early suggestion that it was written by somebody else, and that's in the writings of Tertullian, who lived about 200 A.D., in which he quotes from an epistle to the Hebrews under the name of Barnabas. Now, that's an indication of the thinking of one of the early church fathers. It's a historic fact. But we can't be sure that Tertullian knew for sure that Barnabas had written it. And since we can't be sure, we ought not to be saying, turn to Paul's epistle to the book of Hebrews, as many preachers do. When I hear that, as I visit different churches. I know that I'm not going to learn very much from this man, because if he is putting his opinion in as fact, I'm not so sure that he won't put his opinion in as he teaches the Word of God. So we need to be careful about that. Since the Bible itself is silent on it, we ought to be silent on it. I want to come back to more historic information. We'll do that tomorrow. But first, we want to talk briefly here about when it was written. There is no reference to the temple being destroyed, and that was the most dramatic event of the first century. Judaism was wiped out in 70 A.D., and if this epistle had been written after that, surely the writer would have made some mention of it. But he doesn't. So, most scholars believe that it was written before the destruction of Jerusalem. Now, there's another hint. Throughout the book, it talks about practices of Judaism in the present tense. That is, as though they were going on while he was writing. If the temple had been destroyed, all that would have ended in the present tense would not have been used. 
And now let's say a word about to whom it was written. The NIV Study Bible notes are good in this respect, and I want to read them to you. It says the letter was addressed primarily to Jewish converts who were familiar with the Old Testament and who were being tempted to revert to Judaism or to Judaize the gospel. Some have suggested that these professing Jewish Christians were thinking of merging with a Jewish sect, such as the one at Qumran, near the Dead Sea. It has been also suggested that the recipients were from the large number of priests who became obedient to the faith, and that's a reference that we pointed out in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 6. I mentioned Barnabas earlier as a candidate for the authorship of the book of Hebrews, and he has something going for him because he was a Levite, and he therefore would have been very familiar with the practices of Old Testament Judaism. He knew all about the priesthood and the sacrifices. So there is something for that claim. But then there is still another candidate, and that's Apollos. Martin Luther first suggested him as the probable writer of the book of Hebrews. Apollos was an orator. He was well-educated, and he was one of the leading characters in the early church. But beyond that, we don't know very much about him. Well, our time has come to an end, and we'll continue our study tomorrow. I hope you'll join me here. The Radio Bible Course is an independent Bible teaching ministry. It's supported by friends and listeners. We invite your questions and comments. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.